0: Have you ever tried to use a bad map? Uh, Maybe the whole analogy of a map these days has become outdated. Maybe it just shows how old I am. I I don't know that my kids have ever used a map except for on GPS. Um, One of the things that we do at a theological institution is we're in the map making business. That we are being trained to be able to read and to interpret And, and really there's kind of a cartography behind that. But sometimes we run into bad maps. Uh, maybe a bad map is when you're right, you're, you've are right you got your GPS going on and, and you're going through fields, right? You know, you, you have to update that GPS. Or as I used to spend time backpacking, I remember one time I was backpacking with a map from the 1800s. A lot happens to trails and trees and other plants over, you know, 100 years. And, and hence I was bushwhacking most of the time. I actually don't wanna talk about those kinds of maps, I wanna talk about maps that lack specificity. So what we do at a theological institution is that we are being trained to read, trained to read scripture, we call that exegesis, we call that hermeneutics, trained to exegete culture, we call that cultural exegesis or worldview analysis. We, we We are developing maps But often, the maps that we develop tend to be accurate, but lack the specificity that we need. Let me give an example. When I was living in a village in Tanzania, a delegation of Muslims came to my home. They said that one of our young girls has died in another village. And in keeping with the Muslim practice of burying somebody the same day, we need to go and pick her up and bring her back to this village. At that point I did one significant mistake as I pulled out a map. Now nobody in the village had ever seen a map before. So here I am, I've got a map and the second mistake is the map that I was using really just showed major roads. So we're pointing at this map in various locations, and finally they pointed at a spot that didn't seem very far away, maybe just a 45-minute trip, and I piled them into the car and off we went. Well, you can imagine. Four hours later, we were still traveling. And and in the beginning, we were on the major roads. We were on the great Cape Town to Cairo Road, the major road, and that was on the map. But very soon from there, we started going off on side roads that were not on my map. And from there, we started going off into cattle paths where the cattle actually walk. And from there, we started to cross fields. Finally, four hours later, we ended up at this home. The girl's body was put on my vehicle and four more hours we went back. So in that case, I had an accurate map. It had all of the major lines, the, the different roads on it, but it lacked specificity. And I want to argue or make the point this morning is that we need brothers and sisters from around the world to add definition to our maps. We need to read scripture with other people. And I'm going to talk about blessing. I'm going to give the example of blessing, which is a rich biblical concept, but it's also a very rich cultural concept. So when I went to Africa, our son had been just born. He was two months old. And we had given him the middle name Baraka, which in Swahili means blessing and certainly comes from both the Arabic and the Hebrew Barak which is to bless. Well, we knew that blessings were important, but we had no idea how important blessings were in Africa. In fact, I I make the point that almost nothing happens in the continent except through the lenses of trying to get blessings and avoiding curses. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not gonna talk about the curses part, But I'm going to try and help you to understand the importance of blessings in Africa. I was called Baba Baraka in our village, the father of blessings, which is a pretty great name, don't you think? Well, my first insight into blessing came in the very first week that we were there. The the villages had a community welcome meal for us. It was the middle of the dry season. We were called to go to this. They had killed numerous goats and they were gonna have a big celebration. And something happened that never happens in the dry season. The heavens opened up. And for two hours, the rain fell. It rained so bad that our truck couldn't get out of the mud. We actually had to have our villagers push us out of our driveway, our driveway, and because it was so filled with mud. And there we come to the celebration, And something amazing happened. All of the speeches, and in Africa, we love speeches. All of the speeches pointed to one singular reality. Person after person said, Allah caused it to rain on this day, which means that you are a blessing to us. A pretty powerful way to enter into a village Not all greetings that happened in the village take place. In fact, you can't, in Africa, you can't pass somebody by without shaking their hand. And in Tanzania, it wasn't enough to just shake somebody's hand, but you actually had to go through. You had to ask them about their children. You had to ask them about their farm. You had to ask them about their cows. You had to ask them about their goats. And so we would walk from one village to another, and literally it would take us several hours because every household that we'd come to, people would say, come to our house. And you come to their house and you can't just say hi. You have to exchange blessings. You have to touch them. You have to feel them. You actually have to drink a cup of chai with them, then you have blessed them, then you can go to the next household. People would die in our village often every day, sometimes multiple times in a week. And the Muslims in our village had a very interesting practice is that they would take the dead body and they would lift them up and the whole village would stream out of their houses and people would rush up to touch the dead body as it was on its way to the burial site, because as this body is now being buried, if you can touch it, you get some of the baraka for yourself. Blessings happened at a time of planting, they happened at harvest, they happened with the birth of children, they happened at the fast of Ramadan. When Ramadan happened, my wife and I, we, we had people every single day invite us into their households. Sunset would come, All of the food would come out, they would feed us with extravagance. And I would joke with my neighbors and I would say, so how much baraka are you getting to have an infidel into your house and to feed them? And they would laugh and they would say, oh, you're giving us so much blessing. You're giving us so much blessing. But it's just, it's an understanding that this is actually the way things work. Every aspect of life relates to blessing. When we left the village, we had some people build a donkey cart for our family group as a gift to them. And before they could use it, they came out with water. They sprinkled the water all over the donkey cart. They had prayers over the donkey cart in order to bless it. Everything in the continent happens through an understanding of trying to get this power A power that is out there and trying to stay away from the evil power. Years later, we went to Kenya and we found the very same things. One of my most poignant stories was the first time that I was asked to preach in a village church in Kenya. It was a beautiful setting. It was in the middle of a coffee plantation. The house was made out of sticks and it was mud. And I went there with one of my students and I was asked to preach. And at the end of the sermon, as often happens, everybody lines up outside and we go through and we shake hands with every single person. Finally, an older man, bent over, walks up to me. He walks right up to my face, looks at me, and spits in my face. Well, you can imagine... I'm thinking, okay, so maybe that wasn't my best sermon. Maybe I didn't have my A game going on there, but I'm not sure that it was my worst. And my student, he grabbed me, and he said to me, teacher, he's blessing you. Blessings are given by the old to the young. We get in postures to receive blessings. I would go to the hospital with my students, and we would go literally bed by bed, by bed, praying for patients. And blessing is a form of healing. You lay hands on them and you pray for them. Blessings upon them. And they would call to me. If you skipped one, it was almost like you, you were cursing them. Blessings are something that we need. We need them for life. And then to walk into an African church the doxology will absolutely overwhelm you. The the characteristics of God, the attributes of God, the titles of God are sung, they're danced, they're prayed. There's a thickness to the doxology. It's almost like the building's just going to burst. We come to church almost like it's oxygen for us. We need to receive these blessings so that we can live in a world that is so troubled. The entire African cosmos operates around blessings. And it wasn't that I didn't understand this, but my maps were incomplete. The major roads were there but not all of the intricate side paths, not the the donkey carts, not the, the navigation over the field. I had no idea the richness of blessings until I lived in Africa. And I want to say that there's a different economy to blessings in Africa that's Quite important. We struggle in Africa with zero-sum theories of power, that if if somebody gets power, it means less for somebody else. If somebody gets wealth, it means less for somebody else. There's there's definite socioeconomic and sociopolitical dysfunctionalities, but do you know what? Blessings are like this deeper economy under the surface that it's operating because everybody can receive blessings. And everybody can give blessings. So even though there's structural inequities in the continent, blessings are one ways to circumvent that. That the old give blessings to the young and the young give blessings to the old. And people who are trapped in poverty can bless people who are rich and vice versa. It's this deeper economy, this deeper leveling that takes place. Now, with this as a bit of a long introduction, what does Scripture have to say about blessing? Well, it wasn't that I was unfamiliar with the concept, but I had no idea. I didn't have eyes to see the richness of what takes place in Scripture. And rather than just focus upon one passage, I want us to to help us to to exegete scripture through an understanding, a hermeneutic of blessing. It begins in the very beginning. Old Testament authors kind of understand blessing as, as to endow people with beneficial power. And so biblical writers would kind of take this concept, and we see it blessing of creation. And in Genesis 1, God blesses creation. And and causes it to multiply, to be fruitful. He then blesses humans and and gives the same to to cause to be fruitful in this world. And we could say that that God blesses creation, he blesses humans, and he blesses humans so that they would bless creation. God also blesses the seventh day, and it's holy. Holy. We see blessings later taken up in, in certainly one of the most beautiful passages is in Genesis 12, right? We see Abram and Sarah, they're, they're called from a distant land and God blesses them and they and their descendants will be blessed so that what? All the nations will be blessed. This is, this is the economy of blessings, You can never hold on to blessings for yourself. They need to be given away. And so we see this with Abraham. We see this with Israel. This this commandment to bless all the nations And the passage that we read today reads, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that what? Your ways will be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is the nature. Blessings are a profound missiological statement into this world. Blessings involve deliverance from Egypt, and then we find that really beautiful the blessing of giving the law. The law, by the way, is not just for the Israelites, but the law was also, we see that in Deuteronomy 4, but was, the law was given for the surrounding nations. The covenants were given for Israel, but they were, again, to bless the surrounding nations. And we see this really beautiful passage in Deuteronomy chapter 30 where now Israel has come to the other side of the River Jordan and is looking over and there's the re-consecrating, the giving of the covenant. And God calls heaven and earth as witnesses and they, they lean in over the scene. And now God says, obey my commandments and I will bless you. And I will bless the land where I have focused you. Neglect my commandments, and they will be a curse to you. I am the Lord your God. I am a God of life. And that's what blessings do. Blessings create. There's this beautiful shalomic reality that's all throughout the Old Testament. God then locates the people of God in this land bridge, this narrow land bridge. And if I could draw upon kind of an African reading of this, It's almost like God situates Israel there and says, everybody who walks on this narrow land bridge, you are to go out to them, you are to shake their hand, you are to pass blessings to them, and you are to feed them. That's how my African brothers and sisters would interpret it. You are not to just hold on to the blessings for yourself, but you are to actually go out amongst the nations and you are to touch them, you are to bless them as they travel through the land. The problem is, is that Israel focused upon the blessings themselves rather than the subject of the blessings. And isn't that a danger for every one of us? to be so consumed with blessings rather than the source of the blessings. So we see this later with Israel in which even as Nebuchadnezzar's marching against Israel, they're calling out the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Nothing bad's going to happen to us because we've got the temple of the Lord. Anytime we allow the blessings themselves to be used for us, we make them an idol. The blessings are for other people. Blessings can never sit within us. They need to move. They need to be handed to other people. And yet there's a beautiful reality here, even at the end of the Old Testament, that ultimately Israel ends up as exiles in another land. But what does, he, what does God tell them in Jeremiah 29, how are you to live in the land? My African brothers and sisters would say, you are called to bless the land that you have been sent in. You're to, build, you're, you're to plant gardens. You're to marry. You're, you're to create houses. You are to have children, and you are to pray for that city. Now this beautiful story that we find in the Old Testament now becomes crystallized and focused and concentrated upon the person of Jesus Christ. All of the beauty that we've seen, that we've just narrated, now comes upon and Jesus is called the Son of the Blessed One. And Jesus lives the blessings of God with this different economy in the world. A woman with a sickness runs and touches him, and she's healed. Demons flee from him. He spends time with people, and they become like him. He disrupts the economy of the day. He sits with sinners. He blesses women. He sits with children and honors them, and he even drinks water with a Samaritan woman. He spits in the eye of the blind, and they see. He sends out the 12. He sends out the 72, and they see Satan falling like lightning from heaven. He is the blessed one. And even today, we follow him, because that is now the focus. So, so in the Old Testament, the danger was that you, you forget the focus, you forget the source of the blessing, and the blessings become an idolatry. Now in the New Testament, it's like everything is more focused upon the doxological, upon doxology. That we are to praise Jesus. We are to honor him, that that he defines life for us because he is the blessed one. And ultimately, he shows us the real nature of blessing by dying on the cross for our sins. And this is something that we don't understand. It's almost like C.S. Lewis when he talks about a deeper magic in the world, right? And this is even caught up later in, in Philippians with the great Christological hymn in which we see the beautiful nature of Jesus giving himself as a sacrifice, becoming f- human, taking on the nature of a loss, and ultimately dying. And then, at that name of Jesus, what happens? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Christ to the Lord, glory of God the Father. So now we we have a focus. We have a firm focus for our understanding of blessings. It's upon the person of Jesus Christ. And as Dr. Tennant shared last week, he sends the Holy Spirit to us. He breathes on us, and we receive the Holy Spirit. And now the church of Jesus Christ is sent out into this world. And who are we? We are the blessing of Jesus Christ in this world. Paul talks about is as the aroma of Jesus Christ. I think we can take this whole analogy, this whole understanding of blessing and understand that we have been blessed. Our job is to be a blessing to many others in the world. So what do we learn from this just very brief overview? Blessings are fundamental to the kingdom of God. It's the economy that is the kingdom of God. And blessings belong to God. Why do we do doxology? Because he alone is the one who is worthy of the blessings. It's reminding us, it's training ourselves to focus upon Christ and who he is in this world. Blessings are also for life. There's a fruitfulness. We see that all throughout Scripture. When we bless, we cause to be fruitful. It's a blessing for life. But blessings also propel us out into the world. That's the missiological focus. We are sent into the lives of each other to be a blessing. Blessings move between people and they even move between people, and especially between people who are different from us. So what does Paul tell us? Bless those who persecute us. Blessings have to move outside of our socioeconomic or sociocultural ghettos. They need to take us into the lives of other people. We need to move with the blessings of Jesus Christ. We need to, to ask ourselves, Christ, who would I bless today? Send me into other people's lives. And there's a great economy behind all of this that blessings grow when they are given away. To the extent that you give other people blessings, you actually grow through the giving of that to other people. And perhaps in a way that perhaps kind of gets at the Wesleyan understanding of a means of grace, blessings make us more human. It's by giving and receiving blessings that we grow. That's one of the lessons I learned in Africa. And I think that there's a beauty, a theological beauty behind that. Let me end with a story. When I was in Kenya, I was working on my PhD. I was was doing the PhD up in England uh, and had lived in England, but had come down. And I was the provost of a seminary in Kenya. So I would wake up at four o'clock every morning and I would write until eight. And then I would do my job. And I had two young kids. And every morning when I would wake up at four o'clock, I would pray one prayer that my African brothers and sisters had taught me. God, if you would bless me with my education, I will spend the rest of my life trying to bless others. It's a really simple prayer, isn't it? And and it's, and it's the economy, I think, of the kingdom of God. God, if you would bless me with this, I will spend the rest of my life using what I've received to bless others. You pray that over four or five years at four o'clock in the morning and something happens to you. You become reoriented. Education now looks different. It's not a badge, but it's actually what God is doing within me. It's something that God is offering me and it reorients me to now try and give it to other people. And I would encourage you as you think about this season, this map making season, how is your education oriented by the blessings that God is giving to you? How can you receive those and please hear me, you need to receive them. It's like oxygen. You are becoming a new person. You're becoming a different person through your time here. But please, you are doing it for the purposes of what? To give that blessing away. And I would encourage you to learn from brothers and sisters who are different from you. To read scripture through different lenses and to find ourselves immersed in this glorious world of God's blessing that underwrites everything else that we do that you would be a blessing to many others.